Hello and welcome to JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. I'm Jeffrey, Minister and Chaplain at JG Ministries, and I'm glad you're here with listening with us. If you have your Bible, turn to chapter 15, verse 21 of the book of Luke, and let's get into it. Well, last time, we talked about the parable of the lost son, and we'll to, we will continue today to finish this parable, and we'll finish the chapter. So let's continue with our discussion with verses 21 to 24. The son made his confession to the point where he was going to ask his father for employment. But the father interrupted by ordering the slaves to put the best robe on his son, to put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. The father also ordered a great feast to celebrate the return of his son who had been lost and was now found. As far as the father was concerned, he had been dead, but now his son was alive again. We see the son's speech was never completed. Instead, the father more than reversed the unspoken part about becoming a hired man. When he gave his son or what he gave his son signified more than just sonship. The robe was a ceremonial one, such as a guest of honor would have been given. The ring signified authority, and the sandals were those only for a free man to wear. Now the calf was apparently being fattened for some special occasion. And note the parallel between dead and alive, and between lost and found, terms that also apply to one's state before and after conversion to Christ. As in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, it was time to celebrate. The son was looking for a good time, but he didn't find it in the far-off country. He found it only when he had the good sense to come back to his father's house. They began to be merry, but it was never recorded that their joy ended. And so it is with the salvation of the sinner. In verses 25 to 27, when the older son heard all this merrymaking that was going on, he asked a servant what was going on. And the servant told him that his younger brother had returned home and that his father was delirious with joy. Now, it may seem strange that the older son was not there when the celebration began, but Jesus's parable is a fictional way of teaching enduring truth. The older son in verses 28 to 30 was consumed with a jealous rage. He refused to participate in his father's joy. And verse 28 contrasts sharply the older son with the father. The son became angry, but the father went out as he had for the younger brother and pleaded rather than scolded. Where God's happiness is, their self-righteousness cannot come. If God is good to the sinner, what avails my righteousness? 
When his father urged him to participate in the festivities, the older son refused, whimpering that the father had never rewarded him for his faithful service and for his obedience to him. He had never been given as much as a young goat to say nothing of a fatted calf. He complained that when the prodigal son returned, after spending his father's money on harlots, the father did not hesitate to make a great feast. Not that he said, this son of yours, not my brother. Or note that he said, this son of yours and not my brother. The older son, the older son's abrupt beginning, look, betrays a disrespectful attitude towards his father. Likewise, slaving is hardly descriptive of a warm attitude to his father. He says, you never gave me, whether true or not, shows a long smoldering discontent by the older son. And by saying, this son of yours, the elder brother avoids acknowledging that the prodigal is his own brother. A disclaimer, the father corrects by the words, this brother of yours. The father's response is nevertheless tender. My son is followed by the words of affirmation and not weakness. The terms we had to celebrate, verses 31 to 32, suggest that the elder brother should have joined in the celebration. And the words had to introduce once more the necessity and the urgency so prominent in Luke. The father's answer indicated that there is joy connected with the restoration of a lost one. Whereas an obstinate, ungrateful, unreconciled son produces no cause for celebration. The older brother's charges include sharp criticism of both his father and his brother. The older son is an eloquent picture of the scribes and Pharisees. They resented God's showing mercy to outrageous sinners. To their way of thinking, if not to God's, they had served him faithfully, had never transgressed God's commandments, and had yet never been, uh, had never transgressed his commandments. And yet, they were never properly rewarded for all of this. The truth of the matter was that they were religious hypocrites, and they were guilty sinners. Their pride blinded them to their distance from God and to the fact that God had lavished blessing after blessing upon them. If they had only been willing to repent and to acknowledge their sins, then the Father's heart would have been gladdened, and they too would have been the cause of great celebration. With that, we close chapter 15. So let's go ahead and get right into chapter 16 of the book of Luke. And here we're going to begin with a parable of the shrewd manager, the unjust steward. So turn with me to verse 1 of chapter 16, and let's begin. He also said to his disciples, 
There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him, that is, this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So taking a look at verses 1 and 2. The Lord Jesus turns from the Pharisees and the scribes to his disciples with a lesson on stewardship. Now this paragraph is one of the most difficult in Luke. And the reason for the difficulty is that the story of the unjust steward seems to commend dishonesty. We shall see that this is not the case, however, as we proceed through this. The rich man in this story pictures God himself. A steward is one who is entrusted with the management of another person's property. As far as this story is concerned, any disciple of the Lord is also a steward. This particular steward was accused of embezzling, embezzling his employer's funds. He was called to account and notified that he was being dismissed. Now, manager is a broad term for an employee or an agent who was entrusted with the management of funds or property. Mismanagement was possible because strict accounts were not always kept. When word came from others, he had to give an account. So the manager's play, as we look in verses 3 and 4, was that he had a respectable desk job, if you will, but he couldn't do anything else. His decision, therefore, is made with a view to his personal security after his dismissal. The steward did some fast thinking. He realized that he must provide for his future. Yet he was too old to engage in hard physical labor, and he was too proud to beg. 
though not too proud to steal. How then could he provide for his social security, if you will? He hit upon a scheme by which he could win friends who would show kindness to him when he was in need. And in verse 5 and 6, we see that the scheme was this. He went to one of his employer's customers and asked how much he owed. When the customer had said 100 measures of oil, the steward told him to pay for 50, and the account would be considered closed. Now, in verses 7 and 8, we have another customer who owed 100 measures of wheat, and the steward told him to pay for 80, and he would mark the invoice paid. The shocking part of the story occurs when the master commended the unjust steward for acting shrewdly. Now, why would anyone approve of such dishonesty? What the steward did was unjust. The following verses show that the steward was not at all commended for his crookedness, but rather for his foresight. He had acted prudently. He looked to the future, and he made provisions for that. He sacrificed present gain for future reward. And in applying this to our own lives, we must be very clear on this point, however. The future of the child of God is not on this earth, but in heaven. Just as a steward took steps to ensure that he would have friends during his retirement, so the Christian should use his master's goods in such a way as to ensure a welcoming party when he goes to heaven. As already noted, the bills may have been written in terms of commodities rather than cash, perhaps in order to hide the actual amount of interest. The amounts owed were large. The wheat is said to be equal to the yield of about 100 acres. The actual value of the reduction in each case has been computed to equal about 16 months wages for a day laborer in biblical times. The meaning of it, as noted above, is not that a manager is commended for an act of dishonesty, but that a dishonest manager is commended for an act of prudence. The contrast between those who belong to this age and those who belong to the light is a familiar one. The Lord said the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Now, this means that ungodly, unregenerate men show more wisdom in providing for their future in this world than true believers show in laying up their treasures in heaven. With that, we are running out some time. So next time we'll begin with verse 9, verse nine of chapter 16. But until then, God bless you and keep living Christian strong.